0: Yeah, just thought I'd uh, do a little podcast um, you know I love Mike Posner Save Your Goodbye Johnny Lawson Remix brought to you by goodmusicallday.com where you can daily uh, just check on it it's like pre-barstool pre-barstool website I might add everyone used to go to goodmusicallday.com get all the latest tracks hear all the coolest remixes and things like that and now i'm pretty sure like 19 20 year old people no idea never heard of good music all probably many many probably have not yeah yeah it's weird but uh it was a good website back in the day like my freshman year when mashups were big i had one roommate from uh I'll never forget he's from Lyons township and uh suburb, suburb of the great windy city where people are uh, classified i mean um you know they uh, there's a hierarchy everyone knows that i think about chicago they have like you know there's different there's different versions of white i think is what it is like it's kind of like that notion of like are you armenian or are you russian because if you're really dark and you have a lot of hair you're armenian and you're over there bro you know what i mean um I'm clearly a little mixed in that regard, but but not so not very Ar- Armenian like at all actually. So, but people think that I think, and I get these pops in my chest, and it's really weird, and I don't know what to think about it because I'm from Missouri, and we don't do that here. So anyway, uh, okay. But going back, yeah. Uh, so so he was from LT, and he had a lot of mashups. He would always play mashups like when we were pre gaming and stuff, and I'd never heard of mashups. You know, I was growing up outside St. Louis, we didn't really listening to too many mashups at least in 2010 and so yeah good was introduced to me and i started listening to uh, different tracks on there and um it's just a it was a good website for a number of years and then barstool came and i was kind of an east coast oriented website and um it was kind of like you were in the Barstool crowd, or you were in the Fake Shore Drive crowd. People from Chicago still probably know Fake Shore Drive, especially certain areas of Chicago. That's where you get all your latest like hip hop and R and B music, or at least it was. It was, and now um, I don't. I don't even know. I haven't been to that website in years, and I have really. I don't. Even, I don't think Barstool has a website. Everyone just scrolls down Instagram and Twitter. Um, uh, for the latest feed on that, I really I have no idea if people go to an actual website, but Barstool.com used to be the place where you could see like everything going on on certain college campuses, like see the Barstool like model of the day, and see where the next like Barstool blackout tour destination spot was, where they do you know like an EDM show. And, um, and then you could figure out, like, who's got the Molly connections on that particular. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they, did not. they didn't have a, a Molly connection. But, yeah, they, they had a lot of funny stories. And it was kind of like a total frab move. But, like, for, for, like, the north, I would say, you know, because TFM was very, like, southern-centric. And we were more of a TFM crowd. I don't think people even know what TFM is. It's totalfratmove.com. And um, that was a good That was a funny sight And But you know You don't have to be in Greek life To enjoy some of the stuff on there And I get it It's a little little, uh, You know Not politically correct Like at all But uh, I think that You know There's just certain Times where you want to like If you're in class or You're taking notes on your laptop You know And uh, You just want to take a little break You know ESPN's cool But but if you just take the load off a little bit ease your mind it's good to chuckle a little bit have a little laugh you know and uh you could do that well if you were on the barstool website circa 2011 2012 2013 or the tfm website same thing but um nowadays i have no idea where the kids go (laughs) you know and i think people because i i mean my brother really doesn't look like me but a little bit and i think that people think that i'm him and like he went to high school in chicago and so I've been picking up, like, uh, you know, doing my Ubers and stuff. And I was telling somebody the other day, I think they confused me literally with my little brother, who is, like, eight years younger than me and would would definitely be, like, an undergrad here if he if he was going here. But he's not, and he doesn't even live here, to my knowledge. But anyway, so um, it's weird. And, and I'm like, I, maybe I look a little younger when I do a close shave. But I'm actually 30 years old, and, you know, I did just get into grad school here, so you know, no lie, no lie, no lie. And I'm, you know, it's, it's cool. Like, I I don't know if my brother was in a bit of trouble, like in Chicago or something or whatever, but, but, you know, like we're very different people. And, um, you know, I don't appreciate when people are like, think that I'm lying about my age or something. Like, you know, I, I think you would know if I was actually 22 or 23, I don't think I would have, the amount of stories or life experience that I have like that wouldn't make any sense anything that comes out of my mouth then if you thought I was like 22 years old you know I just like that wouldn't like nothing would make sense at that point so you probably yes I'm sure that at that point it would be easy to assume that as your uber driver I'm just like some crazy compulsive liar and there's probably some crazy uber drivers so it wouldn't be wrong to assume that but in my case it would very it would be hugely um, you know very very wrong let's put it that way In my case, because um, literally part time job, paying for college, doing a service to the people, getting them home so they don't have to drink and drive. And why am I being attacked by certain individuals? Most of them, I believe, from Chicago, it seems like, like I said, these pops in my chest and stuff. I can't be healthy. I don't know what it is, but uh, I never experienced that once, uh, you know, in places that I've lived, not Illinois. And recently, Columbia. So I don't like that's that's a weird thing to me. I was just telling somebody at the gas station. He's like, "Yeah, I don't get that at all." And I'm like, "Me neither." Like, <laughs> you know, until I, you know, I, I, something that I felt maybe in, in Chicago, and I don't know what it is. And coming back here, and and when I pick up pick up folks from Chicago, it seems to be a trend. And I'm just wondering what it is, you know, because it's hard to like do something to somebody. Because you think that there's somebody else or that they know something, you know, like to me, that would be that would be psychotic. Like, I, I wouldn't just start to uh, persecute somebody based on assumptions. I mean, that would be like the people that killed Ahmaud Arbury. You know what I mean? Like, that's the same concept, like literally the exact same concept. And it's funny that we we color code everything now. So like white certain white people from maybe like decent neighborhoods outside Chicago that just don't seem to get that that concept works in a number of ways not just three good old boys killing a dark-skinned boy in the state of georgia you know what i mean like what does it mean to be dark-skinned like does that mean in the dark as well could i be dark-skinned i don't know i mean maybe i am maybe there's something unbeknownst to me but regardless you know if you're gonna persecute somebody based on assumptions I think for me, like, I've never shot a gun or, or, like, assaulted anybody besides, like, one night when this guy was um, co- trying to come into my house to uh, pick up his – he somebody he thought was his girlfriend but, like, didn't want anything to do with him. And he was he was on university back in the day, like, when I lived on U- East Campus, right? And um, it was just really weird. So – and he wouldn't go away. And, like, I didn't want to call the cops because I, I felt like I had a moral obligation to this woman to get this guy out of here because he was just like creeping and stalking. And, and so, you know, I, I did proceed to hit him with a left and then he left literally like hit him with the left and then he left. Yes, that's exactly what happened. And um, that was like one night, you know, and I don't like, I've never done anything since then to hurt anybody, you know? And in that, and in that case that was self-defense by the way, because you can't just come to somebody's apartment um, and like I said, that was like 2013. I want to say maybe 2014. It was a long time ago, long, long time ago. It was a real story, you know. Like I'm not somebody that speaks cryptic, you know, whatever. This was literally in 2013. Like everything I say, I say literally a lot because I think I say literally. A lot. I say literally a lot. I do because I think it's important that people understand I speak strictly literal English. I don't know what they do in Chicago, right? Same with the popping they do apparently. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I don't speak cryptic. You know, like uh, Bitcoin. Like, I don't even do that. So I'm just a very like straightforward guy and easy to get along with. And it's just like, just please don't persecute me. Like whatever you, whatever you're doing, let's, like understand that racism is not just whites on black. Like I don't have to be black. For you to do something that I could maybe phone to the police and say is is maybe borderline, you know, kind of a racist attack, you know, because like I said, there's different levels of white. It feels like up in the Windy City and not being from there like I would never I would never know that. And I don't think you want to treat your transplants like that, by the way, people that move there after they graduate college. Yeah, probably not the best thing to do. So if you're like a 20, 19 year old girl or 21 year old, whatever, whoever you are guy girl whatever and you're from Naperville Illinois I'm talking to you like just know people in Chicago have my back like people with with a lot more money than you or your parents and it's like they know like Mary Manuel for example and his son that I'm fairly close with you know you don't treat transplants like they're your dog right like that would be crazy That that would bring nobody to your city so I just I mean, it's it's beyond me when I get these pops in my chest and, and it's like, what are you doing? Is that some oppressive crap? Like, you know, I don't think you want to do that to me. I'm not I'm not from there. I'm a transplant. And, you know, now I'm back where I'm from, Missouri. And, um, you know, I just so. OK, Mike Posner. <laughs> I, I lit off with some Mike Posner. Um, do you get that off my chest, by the way, because I think it's important. To note, so Mike Posner is uh, from Detroit, obviously Jewish, and he had a bar mitzvah, and I guess he's having a bar mitzvah reunion coming up in LA, uh, not in not too, in the not too distant future. So I had this uh, yarmulke from his bar mitzvah, but I did not actually attend his bar mitzvah, and I was thinking about it the other day because somebody was talking about the Detroit Lions. And he, he was giving away these Lions yarmulkes, I guess. And I went to uh, like a Shabbat service one night when I was in the city, like downtown Chicago, uh, when I was working at Grubhub, the corporate office over there. And I picked up and it was just like when you walk in, they have like all these extra yarmulkes, right? So I picked up one and I, and I put it on Detroit Lions. And on the on the inside, it said Mike Posner. And it had, like, the date of his bar mitzvah. So I'm like, no way. How did this get here? That was It was just bizarre. So he obviously had maybe, like, a Detroit Lions-themed bar mitzvah or something. Or maybe that's just the yarmulke he chose. And I it just happened to be at a synagogue in downtown Chicago. So how about that? Crazy. But anyway, um, where was I going with this? Max Scherzer. Because it was at that same synagogue where I was talking to a gentleman. Uh, a rabbi who was the first Jewish man to get a house in Northbrook, Illinois, and I thought it was so interesting because now there are many, many Jewish families like North Shore of Chicago, Northbrook, Deerfield. Yes, very, very Jewish areas, and it's like to me that was that was crazy to hear because he wasn't that old. I mean, he was pretty old, like definitely in his seventies or eighties, even. But to have to be the first homeowner. Uh, in in Northbrook brings me back to the concept of Tom Morello, the audio slave slash Rage Against the Machine rhythm guitar, lead guitarist, now doing some collaborative work, and he's all over iTunes, Um, got a new album coming out soon. but, But he was the first black man, well, half black man, to get a house in Libertyville, Illinois. So he often jokes that he was a survivor of Libertyville, but there's, I mean, it's a joke. There's nothing actually to survive. It's a, actually a nice place. And, but it, he was a trailblazer, right? In a number of ways, dating back to being the first half black man to um, to be in Libertyville. And then, you know, going to Harvard, probably one of the first Harvard-admitted um, students from, I would say, Libertyville, maybe at that time. I'm sure now there's probably a number of Ivy League people. It's a good place to grow up. But anyway, um From what I hear, um, he also was able to teach himself guitar on his own while at Harvard. So I think that's a pretty big deal. And it's like, to me, I think back to the Jewish man that I met at the synagogue in downtown Chicago. Because it's like, to be a trailblazer, you know... It it, it takes courage because and why? I mean, let's just put it this way. I was watching 42 the other night, the Jackie Robinson movie. And I just thought of all these examples because we often just think of guys like maybe not even Tom Merle because he's he's mixed. Right. But but guys like Jackie Robinson, like you have to be all black, it seems to get the respect as, as being a trailblazer. Well, how about the Jewish man, the first Jewish man to get a house in Northbrook? How about the half black man? from Kenya whose mom is you know German Irish from Chicago to to be the first one to get a house in Libertyville how come we don't uh, not we I don't, I'm not really in this category I, I would guess but maybe I am why is it always white and black to me you have to be stupid to only think black and white like there are a lot of colors and I'm like a little colorblind, so maybe I'm not the best at describing this but there're just There is more to it than white and black, but, and if you go on in journalism school, you go to, uh, you, you get like a master's in journalism, fine arts, you know this, but it's just a concept, like literally just a concept. When you hear about blacks on the news, oftentimes it actually could be signifying another story where there's somebody that maybe there's something going on and he doesn't know about it. He's in the dark. Guess what? We're going to call that a black guy. If I'm a CEO, if I'm Rupert Murdoch or some CEO of a news corporation, that's how you use symbolism. And I'm not going to give you this course for free, uh, but over a podcast anyway, but there are levels to things. Not everything is black and white. So I'm just saying like, Next time, like you, you think you're doing something, or, or you think you know something, um, yeah, maybe there's more to it. I mean, I often think there's more to everything, and there's not usually, but but like actually, a lot of times, especially on the news, with with things like stories and symbolism, concepts, concepts, there is actually a lot more. So, you know, like there are more Jackie Robinsons than just a black baseball player that happened to be the first black baseball player hired by Branch Rickey. Two, because of his great baseball talent, even though there was actually much better black players in the Negro Leagues at that time, Um, but he was a trailblazer in Major League Baseball. Why? Because Branch Rickey was like, this guy has it. Like he, He could take a bit of a beating and look the other way or whatever, and he can... He can roll with the punches a little bit. So we're going to give him a chance and he can travel to the South, even though there's like no major league baseball teams in the South, but he can travel, he can travel the country and, and be kind of cool with, with all the backlash associated with being that first dark skinned player in major league baseball in the 1950s. So, and by the way, that seems wild to me, 1950s to to get a black athlete with a, a white team that that's like really crazy you think about World War II, many blacks fought in World War II, and, you know, I'm sure there was white people right next to them, you know, fighting for our country, going up against the uh, Nazis, and it's just like, or, Jap- or Japanese, and it, to me, I'm like, yo, so nobody played baseball with their counterparts? The, the, the blacks with the white counterparts? No, not until 10 years later. That's wild to me. They just think about that. Nineteen fifties, late nineteen fifties at that, no uh no blacks in Major League Baseball. I couldn't imagine, by the way, no Shawan Dunstan, you know, no Ray Langford, no Ozzy Smith, Willie McGee. I could not imagine, you know? And there's previous examples like my father would know, I guess, or grandfather especially, but like Dizzy Dean. Bob Gibson, I got to meet Lou Brock. Uh, Lou Brock's awesome, great guy. Um, but um, yeah, man, I mean, it's crazy. So there's just so many examples. And you think, what would it be like without some of these trailblazers, you know? I mean, and but like I said, everything is not black and white. And usually people are, are where they are. They're there for a reason. And I just think, as I've been it's been kind of apparent to me lately. It's like some of these young kids are just like maybe really gung-ho and just like don't understand that like there's a lot of trailblazers out there and maybe they're just doing something to somebody that they don't even know and have no idea about and should not be doing anything like that to that person. Just the feeling that I get and again like this isn't something that I know for sure but it's some it's yeah kind of a lingering kind of a lingering trend for sure. So I'm going to take a quick break come back and oh man college football i i don't mean to toot my own horn but um you know i've been right about the uh, top four pretty much all season cincinnati though i mean i, I don't think they're gonna get too far but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second as well as uh um the uh, going back to the jewish man first jewish man to make a home in northbrook illinois um who said some things about Max Scherzer that I did not believe until yesterday. That Calvin Harris, Scotland's finest. It works out in many a gym in Pacific Palisades. Uh, <laughs> I saw him a few times, but he's, uh, he's got a trainer he just kind of stays with. Same with Kevin Gates, by the way, who is not Islamic. I had a pastor the other day. These are just people, just a couple of, I, I guess you'd say, A-listers that I would run into. Um, it's kind of funny. Calvin Harris, a hero in Scotland. And Kevin Gates, a icon of Cajun country in New Orleans. Um, kind of two different, very different followings. But um, they both work out in gyms in Los Angeles, obviously, where they live. But um, and I've seen both at gyms, right? Working out. I need to get back in the gym. I think my shoulder's feeling better, by the way. It's good news. But... Um, Oh, so, yeah, anyway, so the other day I was telling somebody about um, the fact that uh, Kevin Gates works out with, like, he doesn't work out with trainers like Calvin Harris does. Kevin uh, has two guys that are just kind of there in the gym with him at all times, kind of like bodyguards, I feel like, more or less is what they are. Even though it's a very safe area at the uh, lifetime where he works out, uh, I shouldn't maybe say that, at the gym where he works out. And they're just kind of there, and they just uh, they make sure people don't just randomly come up to him and things like that. But a gentleman the other day was saying, um, he has respect for Kevin Gates, but he thinks he's a weird religion. I said, "What religion is that?" And he thought that he was Islamic. And I don't know that Kevin Gates is Islamic at all. because um, you know, I was telling him, like I don't think there's too many Islamic people from New Orleans. But um, I guess he is maybe uh, Muslim, and I, so I found a list of um, Muslim people. Twelve rappers you didn't know are Muslims. Brought to you by Mill World or Millie World, like a million here, a million there. I'm a young money millionaire, yeah. And so there's a lot of uh, Muslims uh, apparently. I I had no idea. Um, you know like i don't know much about religion at all like i'm not religious i believe in the greater good of people and, and i think there is a higher power and i think he's called god but you know here's the thing kevin jerome gilliard from baton rouge louisiana home of lsu he uh he i guess he toured mecca uh over there in um turkey I believe maybe somewhere over there i'm not, again i'm not well versed in religion but he is a muslim after all wow crazy with his wife they're both muslim and so there's others uh like busta rhymes t-pain swizz beats lupe fiasco uh fredo q-tip Lil dirk i believe Lil dirk's uh chicago yeah i don't know um but that's crazy to me. So there's a lot of Muslims I had no idea. And you know what I was thinking about the other day is like some people when they get some fame or fortune or just kind of turn their life around. And I think that's that's inspiring to kids. And I think just like being – before I talk college football, sorry. Um, and I think um, I, I think just like being in the spotlight – it's like it, you want to set a good example and and show folks that like it's good to be diverse and inclusive and it's okay to you know be different religions and that's great and but it, it takes me back to that show, um, erotica, on uh, Netflix and by erotica I mean Euphoria yeah not not erotica what the hell is erotica I swear that was a show um, no it's no okay so Euphoria. Judd Apatow, by the way, Maude Apatow, hope she's doing well. She has not tweeted in a while, so I was worried about her, and I told Judd on the Twitter, I, well, I mean, I don't know Judd, but I uh, tweeted at Judd, and I said, hey, is Maude okay? Because, you know, I know she was going to Northwestern, and, you know, crime can be kind of, if she goes down to the city, maybe, you know, and she hasn't. she's not tweeted lately, so I'm just like, I'm just making sure she's okay. And, because, you know, she could be like a little sister to me if you know, I was at, you know, in Evanston currently, which I am not, but I could have gone to school there. Anyway, it's, uh, it's something that I feel for like, just women that are younger than me. That's why like, I, I do Uber sometimes. And it's like, I'll stay up a little later on a Friday or Saturday night just to make sure, you know, the sisters get home. Like, you know, that could be my little sister. And, you know, I have a little sister, I want to be a good older brother and just be, you know, a guy that can be relaxed. I used to take my girlfriend to class, you know, when I was an undergrad, and but with her, we always there was always like six other people or like five other people, and I would just drop them off at class, even if I didn't have class, or like for example, one time I did, and if I just didn't go to it that particular day because I, you know, maybe I had to work or something, and um, or my internship sometimes would conflict with the schedule, I would just drop them off at class, and it's just because there are people on campus that, like, are unsavory and, it, it, you know, especially walking across campus at night, no matter which campus you're on. I mean, there's some safer than others, obviously. But point is, I think that for, like, having a – if I had a daughter, but definitely, like, a little sister, like, I don't want them walking across campus at night, you know? Like, it just, like, it, if, if we could avoid that, it's just because I've heard stories and – Bad things have happened, I guess you know, in the news. Like I remember when I was touring Stony Brook, and all of these moms were just like, "And is there is there like a, uh, the emergency buttons uh, that they can like on the on the walking trails if they're like walking late at night and and it was like six questions related to that, like so many different questions related to their daughter's safety, because Long Island, you know, very mostly affluent neighborhoods that would attend Stony Brook and they were just very concerned for safety because I guess and you know maybe to this day there's just been like a lot of you know bad individuals sometimes on college campuses that can do bad things and you know um, a young woman walking across campus has been an issue I guess it's on colleges and so I just think it's important like if, if I can give somebody a ride and make sure that they're safe you know I'm gonna do it so I'm just Happy to help. And um, anyway, where was I going with this story? Yeah, Maude Apatow, judd Apatow, euphoria. Let's backtrack a little bit. We're getting dehydrated. Somebody must be uh, not too happy that my voice is getting out there, which is weird, bro. By the way, I, I've never not had freedom of speech, and sometimes I feel like I'm being like, uh, like I said, kind of attacked for this. And I'm just like, what? Like, where? Where's this coming from? You know, I'm not like some crazy uh could you imagine by the way if i was like actually like a crazy like um if if somebody thought i was like antifa or something you know what i mean like (laughs) i could just make a phone call to uh george soros hey george uh they're shutting my podcast down but because i'm not really affiliated with anybody it makes freedom of speech more difficult i guess that's kind of weird how that works but I was thinking of euphoria by the way because there was a muslim guy like the main guy that's kind of the uh sponsor for for the main character which is i guess um who is the main character again she she's a great actress like a big fan um she's in uh so many other things nowadays zendaya and you know she was like kind of um Doing some pills or something, and I think it's by the that's such a good show for that reason, because you have an opioid epidemic in this country. I mean, to this day, even with COVID, obviously being a pandemic, there's still like, I I guess these kids are like not only smoking weed in major parts of the country, like a, a lot of just activity anywhere. Like weed is one thing, but I think when you do like the pills and the opiates, especially. Um, as kind of portrayed by the character of Fez, played by Angus Cloud, it just shows like there's a really slippery slope there. I mean, it can get really bad. You start doing the opiates. You start looking for drugs in high school, you know. And so Zendaya is like trying to get sober. She's going to these meetings. And that's why I bring this up because there's a Muslim guy, her sponsor, right, played by I believe his name is uh, Coleman Domingo. Ali, right? And Ali's, like, Muslim now. But he wasn't always Muslim. And um, he wears, like, his Muslim hat and is just, like, a, a inspirational character trying to make sure Zendaya can rebound her life and get back in good graces with her, her mother and her be a good role model to her little sister. And Ali's just everything kind of a lot of us would strive to be. And maybe that's Kevin Gates included. And like I said... There's just something to be said for maybe changing religions or being more spiritual or maybe what they call in Judaism is uh, Baal Teshuvah, which is just like coming back to the faith. There's something to be said for that. And and maybe it's people that are in positions of power, prestige, money, um, you know, somebody like a little Dirk or somebody like a Teddy Payne, Tallahassee hero, like to me, there is nothing wrong with that. Like, if you want to be an inspirational character, you want to be spiritual, wherever that, wherever that religion is. Like, I, I don't, you know, like I don't discriminate, and I think it's great um, to come back to the faith or have faith or choose a different faith that suits you that you, you, know, you feel passionate about. And so, I mean, it's like, would you rather have a Fez for your daughter's role model or would you rather have an Ali? And I think ninety nine percent of fathers would rather have an Ali. So you know, doesn't, Islam or not, doesn't matter to me, just want to be a good person, and, um, by the way, she went to Oak Park High School, and there's, <laughs> there's a couple Oak Parks, I guess my mother, um, is, uh, up in Chicago now, she moved, like, I was not raised there, like, I keep telling people, but she lives there now, and, um, whatever, like, uh, Oak Park is the name, so there's Oak Park, Illinois, and there's an Oak Park, California, which is very different, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, and it's, it's kind of in the valley, and I, I didn't realize, uh, it's kind of a newer high school, it's, it's a really good school, so she went there, uh, a kid I met the other day went there, and he goes to Mizzou, um, but it's, like, it's in TO, so it makes sense, like, I have, was, like, where the hell is Oak Park, California, it's, it's basically Thousand Oaks, it's all it is, so, Fun fact, it's off the 101, just a little west of Calabasas, and yeah, my old neck of the woods. So I usually tell people, I would tell people, just the other night I was telling somebody, I used to live uh, by Chaminade, West Hills, but I mostly just worked there, actually. So I, um, the majority of the time that I lived in the valley, I would say that I lived in a Tarzana, Cena like right on the border, basically, and kind of uh, right south of Ventura. And, you know, it's not the nicest house, but it was definitely nicer than most other places in the Valley. But, you know, it's funny, like, when people want to misconstrue you or think that you're, like, some crazy Uber driver. And I get it, There's a lot of crazy Uber drivers. But, you know, I just, like, I don't think anything I say makes, like, it doesn't, it doesn't like, it, it's, it doesn't come, at least to me, like, rationally thinking, logically thinking. It doesn't come across as like some like something anybody would would lie about. Like why? Like how could you make this up? You have details. You have content, and uh, you know. I guess when you're 19 or 20 years old, maybe you don't think of those things like content and very important details. But but yeah, that's all I would say to people is like you know if you're asking somebody questions as to like where they live, their life experience, what have you. You know, if something you don't think adds up. Go to the details. (laughs) Generally, that is a good indicator of truth versus fake. So there's that. I still haven't talked college football, and it's been another 15 minutes. Damn, I'm not doing good right now. This is a a terrible podcast. But If you're listening, I don't know. Well, maybe don't stop listening. But um, okay, so... And it's not live, you know. I mean, it's not like people are listening to me right now, but I'm sure somebody is because it's a small apartment complex, basically. All right, so um, the college football playoff. Let's take a quick break and actually break. I'm not really breaking anything down, and I don't got to be careful what I say, but I'm saying we're going to talk bowl games. And would you rather attend something like, I don't know, bragging rights in St. Louis, or would you? rather go to Fort Worth for uh, game against army well that's a good one I'll take a quick break and uh, talk a little bit about that because um, yeah it's just one of those kind of I don't know it's not it's like uh, picking your poison kind of thing but but you could have a good time at both yeah I don't know how else to say uh, to explain it but I'll do my best in just a second. yeah love the beeps uh, i'm gonna turn that down skrillex and diplo on that diplo by the way i guess was uh planning a tour but we're not sure where that's going to be at diplo one of the first major uh contributors to the original barstool website he had quite a few tracks come out, like I guess that time, like 2012, 2013, something like that. And uh, he, you know, that guy, as far as EDM goes, really a pioneer, like really a pioneer. The um, sound SoundCloud. You get, if you search SoundCloud circa like twenty eleven, there's not that many people on it. Like there's today, everyone has like so many different uh, what do you call it, like versions. You know, like somebody will do like there's a major song that comes out and somebody will do like a voiceover for it. And I mean, uh, you know, whatever, record their own version of it, record their own version of it and things like that. Diplo could be seen all over SoundCloud. I I, I don't know if he was like not technically a founder, but his engineers worked closely building it. Um, It's like my godfather, right? you know he does a lot but like it's it's like more in the infrastructure side of things and so I never really know and um but anyway so what was I saying college football yeah college football (laughs) um because no one wants to hear me talk about different regions of the country and and what they're doing there and what they're not doing there and things I don't know about but just the feeling that i get and how it's important to stay safe and be a mentor and not do drugs yeah i think those are all great things but another great thing that brings people together is college football that's why i love to talk about it and i'm a big football guy over the years just uh i gotta say by the way people ask why why football like you don't really look some people even in like high school i had a couple uh teachers before i started getting any muscle mass that were like you kind of look more like a soccer player bro and I'm thinking, my because they were soccer coaches slash history teachers, those types, good guys. But and and um, I'm thinking to myself, you know, that's true. At that point in time, I did. Uh, I was a little slender, a little slim. I'm not anymore. Um, and I think the actual like the reason is, I was just interested in football. For whatever like for whatever reason, I was just very and you know, I was good at. It. Like, I was very fast. And um, I think that through my parents divorce, and this is a a theme, I think, with sports in general is like if you're going through a tough time, like at home or even in the classroom, you go on the practice field, you go on the on the on the diamond on the court, whatever the case. It's just a sense of family belonging and you can take out all that kind of negative energy and put it to a positive light, positive showcase. And that's the thing about football. It's like a football family. It's like you know, th- those are my brothers out there, and, and nowadays brothers and sisters, I guess. But um, you know, I mean, at least in the referee uh, fraternity, there's many, many women referees. But um, it's just like you know, there's there's a sense of family, sense of belonging, and you get out of some bad situations, and you went through a tough time, and you can easily just kind of take that take that out on on the field and and make it into something great. And so same with art, same with writing. There's just there's many good meditative activities. And so I'm supposed to, um, you know, on this podcast, the original, you know, on Patreon, when I was talking like last semester, one of the courses was like, uh, um, was it, like community health. Um, this semester was community development, so it was a little different um, towards my public health degree. And, and you know, that's mostly going forward next semester probably have to go back to my original plan of like sunday night strictly health and a little sports but but mostly i've realized on itunes i've been just talking college football like i'm paul feinbaum or something and i don't mean to do that like I, I need to get back to kind of being a nice mix of both sports and health or at least showing that you know there's a health side of everything so here we go with the uh, college football by the way Craziness at the SEC Championship, some might say. Um, I don't know that I'd say that, bro. I don't know because it's hard to go against Nick Saban. He's just been so dominant, not only in the SEC, but in college football for the past 10 years now, uh, like 11 years even, since 2009, let's put it that way. And anytime time you give him a week to prepare – you know, um, no matter how good you are, no matter what the analysts are saying, what people are predicting around the country, the hype of a different program that he's playing against, Saban can find a way and utilize the talent that he has and what he's managed to accumulate over the years at Alabama. is just a great coaching staff as well that really prepares, really busts their ass to, you know, at least be competitive, even in some games where they don't look like the, you know, best or better team. This case with the past, this past Saturday, many thought they were not the better team. People all year, all season in the SEC, oh, this Georgia defense, it's 85 Bears. They're so good. No one's going to be able to beat them. Give them the championship now. And I had a feeling this would happen. I had a feeling that Nick Saban, and the Alabama defense, by the way, and he's a defensive-minded coach. That's where he started. He was a defensive backs coach. I had a feeling that they were saying, well, what about what about us? Like I know we struggled one night at Kyle Field, uh, but that's kind of a fluke. And, you know, uh, we have something to prove now. And if you give Bama something to prove, they really haven't had to prove anything in the past – 10 or 11, 12 years. But if you you really want to challenge them and make them feel like they have something to prove, Saturday is what can happen. And that's a Bama victory even when they are not favored. You know? And it's just like they might have felt that way all season. Like, how come nobody's talking about our defense? And the fact that we play in the SEC West in 2021, which is a much more competitive brand of football, than the east unfortunately there's just it's a down year in the east there's there's not really been anyone challenging georgia uh maybe aside from kentucky and tennessee looks a little better this year florida looked better for the first few weeks and we know what happened with them so it's like you know uh to me it was it was odd to just give so much praise and, and i like kirby smart by the way i think he's a great coach i think he's gonna do awesome things there But to give all of that praise to a team that is still yet to be, you know, SEC champion, yet to beat Bama, yet to really play anybody competitive in the West was just kind of weird to me. So, you know, and and I know a lot of people were rooting against Bama. Like, you know, they don't want to see it anymore. It's getting old. You know, it's like it's like Van Halen in the 80s. You know, you you don't want to. Okay, yeah, great. How about Sammy Hagar, though? I think he could do a better job than David Lee Roth. I don't think so. But hey, some people might, I don't know. I'm just saying like it, it, there's some things that are good and that should be good and you know, they're they're going to keep being good, I, I guess. Maybe, right? Maybe, I don't know. It could be something. Alabama proved there once again and yet still the best football team in the country in the world in, in college football. Michigan looks okay, you know. Saturday they had they had a good game. I think the the best game because the Big Ten West is shit this year I mean I I was not a bad team Don't get me wrong it's just that Wisconsin was not very good and that was the other Decent team in the uh, Big Ten West Really the best Kind of my idea of the Big Ten Championship Was absolutely The game as far as Folks in the Big Ten are concerned and that's Michigan Ohio State that was two weeks ago They look okay They might be a bit of a dark horse to actually Contend with UGA Um i think that's the game i think that that will be a very very good playoff game um and what bowl is that by the way that's technically going to be the um orange bowl yeah so that's in uh hard rock that's a hard rock stadium in miami so that's really a great game i i think because they you know for the most part evenly matched georgia still a great defense i mean as much as I'm saying, yeah, like Alabama had something to prove. They were the better team, better defense even uh, Saturday. Doesn't mean that, that – it's not absolute, right? Like I say, it's not an absolute fact. But on that day, it was. And But Michigan's playing very good football. And I know that I saw their game film against Penn State, and I was saying, you know, I don't know how good Michigan is, but, but then they kind of uh, shut me up a little bit against – the Ohio State. And uh, that was kind of a surprise to me. But it was at the big house, and, and they did have a lot to play for because, you know, I, I think Connor McNamara is, is a good quarterback. I think Jim Harbaugh hungry. He's been there for so long, and they've kind of not been – what I would say for him is, like, they've not been what a lot of people thought that they could be with him at the helm. So – He's playing for quite a bit, and maybe a contract extension? I think he likes where he's at, and I think they're happy to have him. I'm just saying, he's got he's to do something. And, and with Ohio State only having the one year in 2014 where they're able to get any wins, the only Big Ten team to get anything done in the, in the college football postseason since the history of the college football playoff bracket um, was Ohio State in 14, And so I think Michigan... It's kind of like they're, they're going to have to be a program that can do something there and, and show kind of the rest of the country, like, hey, we're still a pretty good program over here in the Big Ten, and, you know, don't don't count us out completely. Don't make it strictly an Ohio State conference. And the Orange Bowl will have an opportunity to do that, and I think they deserve it. I do. Yeah, I think, I think it's a very good game. I think um, – Probably the better game for sure. I just don't see Alabama Cincinnati being as close as some might say. I just, I after Alabama on on Saturday, I just, I think they're a lot better than anybody else. But like I said, Alabama. I mean, Michigan and Georgia. The winner of that game will definitely uh, make the national championship. Whatever it is, I mean, if that's a great game, if that's a decent game, I don't know. But I think the winner of Michigan and Georgia will put up a fight. And if it's Georgia, you know, it might, it could be like, could be like potentially maybe like LSU and Bama and 11. And I know that Bama fans don't want to hear that. And I know that Georgia fans would love to hear it. But it's true that, you know, you see a team once and you're like, okay, this is what we got. You know, Kirby's a smart guy. It's his last name. I get it. Maybe he wasn't showing his best stuff. There's a, there's a possibility there, so you know, a couple, another time around, maybe not, might not be too bad for the dogs. But um, a, as a non-dog, I would say that Alabama still has a great, great chance to uh, win it all. I think Cincinnati and Ben will be over by about the five-minute marker in, in quarter three or some shit. I mean, <laughs> I think <laughs> I don't know how how great that of a game that's gonna be. I've got an enormous amount of respect for Cincinnati. But I just I man I I tell you Bama's just so good, and like I said it was a fluke at Kyle Field I really think it was, you know that one loss it's like um, a lot of times in high school you'll see it like high school football because there's just a team that's unfocused or that travels like a you know a, a long bus ride and like the star two players have bad gas or diarrhea. And they just, <laughs> I, I wouldn't know from experience. That's not why I say this. No, of course I do. But it's just like um, you get in a game, you're a little unprepared, you're a little unfocused, you're a little rattled, something happens, and you just don't give your best stuff. I don't think that was Georgia's excuse. I'm not making excuses for Georgia. I'm saying that oftentimes there's a tough law. Lo- I'm, I'm talking about Alabama and Kyle Field, really, is what I'm talking about. And I don't know if that, you know, I, listen, I don't know what happened to Alabama that night in, in October at Kyle Field. Um, but they didn't look themselves, put it that way. Yeah. I mean, it was a huge win for Jimbo. He got a contract extension right, you know, like right after that. So good for Jimbo Fisher, man. Like, that, that was a huge win. But, you know, they, they're still yet to get to an SEC championship. And uh, better luck next year. <laughs> um like Happy Gilmore, right? Okay. Um so uh yeah, we'll see. I didn't I didn't even watch the cincy game. I truly no, not and I guess they have a conference championship. Um yeah, I don't, I don't mean to be a douche, I really don't. It, but you know, it's just I truly do not care about a conference outside of of the power, you know, SEC, Big 10. I will watch even a Big Twelve championship for a little bit, even though, and I did. It was like an eleven a.m. start. It was uh, what was it, Baylor and uh, Baylor and Oklahoma State, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It was a decent game. A lot of people after that were like, you know, oh yeah, Baylor deserves a shot in the playoff. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. It's just such a, such a lesser brand of football. OU was really the only team that I think came out of the Big Twelve this year looking, um, looking like they could compete in the playoff. But is it really difficult to play in the SEC West? I think we have to ask ourselves that after Bama just looks so much better and with that strength of schedule coming from the West this year because the East was just so down. And so I think you have to say out of any division in football right now, college football, the SEC West is like so far ahead between Nick Saban, uh, Jimbo Fisher, and Lane Kiffin, kind of the – kind of the Bermuda Triangle down there, you know? And UGA was coined, like I said, as a Bears type, a Chicago Bears 85, you know, 1985 Chicago Bears defense by many analysts, uh, simply because I think because they play in the East, because they played in the East this year, they were able to shut out teams and make teams look terrible. Uh, But I think it's kind of like that team in high school. I keep going back to high school. And I usually don't, by the way. There was a girl that accused me, accused me, uh, that's, that's a strong word. Now, there was some some random person that I'd never talked to uh, in high school that had come up to a friend of mine from uh, my fraternity one time. It's a long time ago, but I, I still remember this because I was like, I've never even talked to you. And she and she proceeded to say something like, how come you always talk about high school? And I'm like, I've never even said a word to you, woman. <laughs> like It was bizarre. Um absolutely bizarre and I think she maybe had me confused with somebody else because yeah I've had never spoken a word to her and she um I think maybe that was her version of like hey we went to high school together right yeah probably and um, yeah well, that was kind of a weird opening on her end but anyway so UGA was coined as the 85 Bears defense because they played in the east this year the west was by far the best and Basically, the East was like if you take the best team out of a lesser conference in, in high school, and then right when you get in the playoff or districts, you see how good they actually are. You know, maybe they've won the rest of their game, or, you know, the previous games 30 to 6 or 42 to nothing, something like that. And then they play a team from a different district, you know, uh, maybe from a better conference. And then it's like, you know not even close so it's just it depends where you play depends your strength of schedule 100 percent and you look at the east this year florida was terrible missouri building kentucky's solid but not even close to as good as Ole miss um you know or, or a&m you know the the two and three even the four i guess maybe you'd say with uh, i don't know kind of insert somebody auburn or Ole miss i mean uh, mississippi state and Florida's really not too far behind. I mean, Florida I mean, uh, Arkansas is not too far behind. They did beat they did beat Missouri, Arkansas. So, they are not too far behind as far as pretty good teams in the west this year. So I just think, you know, it's a shame for Kirby to have the, that kind of pseudo confidence that he was given by the mass media and and the uh, analysts in college football. And that's just something that's a product of playing in the SEC East, like I said. So I just I don't know, man. the the other side of the the other side, of course, could be that the game last weekend is due for a repeat, a rematch, sort of uh, LSU Bama eleven esque. And I, if that happens, you know, Michigan Michigan can say, yeah or nay if they want to show up and play football and uh, play like they did against Ohio State. I think maybe that will not be a theme. I, you know, I don't think Georgia, by the way is quite as good as that LSU was. That LSU team in 11, one of the best teams in college football history as far as, you know, defense, offense, special teams. Remember that game in in, in Tuscaloosa in 11? I think it was like 6-3 to three at halftime. I mean, so you had all facets working for both those teams. Like everything, every category of football... That season for both LSU and Alabama, they were just the best. I mean, those are two historic teams that college football will ever see, uh, in my humble opinion. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I just kind of wanted to look at that a little further, uh, especially the game at Kyle Field, because was it a fluke, Bama losing to A&M? I mean, what's a fluke? I always think of Big Daddy, uh, the movie Big Daddy in the, in the bar scene when uh, Sandler's walking in, talks to the uh, kind of the homeless drunk guy, right? And um, you know, the, you know the goddamn jets—they're watching Monday Night Football out there. And he asks the uh, Sandler goes, well, "What about last week? What happened last week?" And the and the homeless guy, "Last Monday was a fluke," and I'll never forget that because <laughs> it's just like there's in sports, there actually are flukes. I think you know. You don't show up. You're unfocused. Maybe you have diarrhea on the way to the game. I don't know, not COVID, but just maybe some bad tie. I don't know. Um, interesting. They actually used to play them on the night football. By the way, the Jets. There's probably not, despite how great Bama looked Saturday, a better team than UGA. As you go down the list, yeah, like Michigan's two in the seating. Um, I just don't know that they're better than Georgia. I mean, but like, obviously, we'll see. At the Orange Bowl, um, and I would like to see. You know, it'd, it'd be great to know if Jim Harbaugh's if Jim Harbaugh's got uh, got a really good team or not. You know, how good is the Big Ten relative to our top two? You know, um, and I just don't think like if you can't beat Notre Dame in in twenty twenty one, like uh, I, I just there there's. Cincinnati did beat Notre Dame. I'm not talking about Cincinnati, but, like, a team like Wisconsin, and you're trying to tell me that Iowa's got a chance to beat Michigan and the Big Ten Championship. Like, all I'm saying is the Big Ten Championship said nothing, right? Like, I'm saying the best team in the big could very well be Michigan, but it's just, like, that that whole conference is down, in my opinion. And, you know, um, I I wish Jim – Luck, I think that's a great showdown. Kirby Smart, Jim Harbaugh, two great coaches, but um, I, I just don't think that um, for for last Saturday, that night game, conference championships. There's really nothing better at this point than the SEC championship. Like the other conference championships should just be canceled, in my opinion. They're just they're just no good, and, and they're still having some ratings issues as they should. But it's like. When are we going to expand the playoff to include, you know, the top two teams in the SEC East, top two from, I mean, top three probably from the West, and maybe one Big Ten team and one Pac-12 team? I mean, because that's really, when you think about it, and then maybe like an at-large bid, that's really a good playoff system. That's really going to have competition, ratings, people that care about football, good teams, so, you know, they've got to get it together, college football. This, this whole, like, Final Four thing is just it's, – it's getting weird and not making sense. But, I mean, it's good to give Cincinnati a chance. So I'll give them that. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Take a quick break. Actually, we're at the hour. So we'll do a part two, talk about the Mizzou Bowl game <laughs> exclusively. Um, yeah, because I didn't really get to my alma mater, my current institution, and my th- college football – My college football, you know, um, point of reference. So I just, you know, we're going to talk a little Missouri football for sure. It's just uh, we have a lot of time to do that before the bowl game. So we'll do that like in a part two version of this probably. But uh, it's been fun talking about the playoff. Uh, I didn't really dive into anything else. But, hey, college football playoffs here. It's, of course, Bama Cincinnati in that Cotton Bowl game. And the winner of that against the winner of Orange Bowl down in Miami, big, big game, I think the best game, Michigan against Georgia, and that's going to be a really good one and um, you know I mean what I mean but by the way, what if it was Michigan and Cincinnati? Talk about pissing a lot of folks off. I just I don't think that's going to happen. I'm just saying what if it was? A uh, Cincinnati versus Michigan then then would you say it's a fluke? I think it would be a fluke in that case. I don't think there's any way in hell that uh, Cincinnati will beat Bama, but I definitely I don't even think Michigan can beat Georgia, so we'll see what happens i'm I'm excited though we've got to wait a little bit. It's not till uh Friday december thirty first but um yeah, and who knows? I don't think we're gonna be on Green Street this year in Champaign Urbana, but we might be. Um, I think a lot can happen between now and then, but it'd be really cool to get back to Green Street on New Year's Eve. Uh, maybe a lot of people don't know what that is, but it's a great time, I'll tell you that. I might even do a podcast about that going forward. Uh, put that on Patreon for more of a private detail, but uh, kind of some funny shit. So anyway, a little culture, a little health stuff. Hope everyone has a great week and good times.